What's up, Warriors fans? This is the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. Sam Orlick here, your host. We've got a whole bunch of news and rumors to get into. The offseason is well underway. By now, I'm sure most Warriors fans are aware that Bob Myers has decided to step away from the Warriors as GM. Um, Mike Dunleavy Jr. has been selected to replace him. Obviously, a lot of emotions and feelings and thoughts around this. Bob Myers has been really the face, the architect, and in the middle of everything Warriors for the better part of the last decade. Um, Really so much of the success and managing personalities and really you know, the the endurance of this dynastic run can really be attributed to Myers. So uh, very sad. Well, not sad, bittersweet to see him go on the one hand, obviously, you know, feeling like losing Myers. What does this mean? Is this the beginning of the end? Um, and then in another vein, you really feel for the guy who wants to just spend some time with his family, take a break, step away from the labors of and the and the um really kind of the stresses of being the face of the Warriors franchise um uh, that 24/7 365 constant noise of trying to better your team um especially for a prominent franchise like the Warriors that have had all of this success have all of this national media attention all of this scrutiny um, all of this opportunity to maximize potential with, you know, some of these incredible stars and in, in Curry, um, Thompson and Green. And um, so, you know, I think it feels good. It feels better that it's not like, hey, you know, Lakeup didn't offer me as much money as I wanted to. So I'm going to go join the Clippers. Right. That would have been a pretty tough pill to swallow. Um, this is more like, hey. I'm not up for doing this job and everything it requires, and so I'm going to take a break. I'm going to step away, and we'll see what comes next for Myers and his future. Um, what you know, what he ends up getting into next. Um, he's talked about different options. He's got a podcast, um, all sorts of of avenues for him to explore. So um, much appreciated, long overdue, and um, thank you for all your years of service, Bob Myers. Um, we did have a couple weeks of, of unknowns, right? Who was going to replace him? Who was going to replace Myers? We finally got news, um, of that. Warriors announced that Mike Dunleavy Jr. will be replacing Bob Myers, um, which was kind of the expected, transition right although nobody really knew for sure what was going to happen it was always kind of expected that if Myers was going to walk away which I feel like it was kind of expected he was going to walk away that Myers it would be an internal replacement and Myers was kind of pegged as the guy to do that um Mike Mike Dunleavy Jr. a little bit of an interesting history with the Warriors um you know he was drafted by by the Warriors and played with them for four and a half seasons before being traded to the Indiana Pacers. Um, as a Warrior, Dunleavy averaged 10 points, four rebounds, 
and uh, shooting 37 point, uh, 37% from three. Um, you know, which was disappointing numbers. The Warriors selected him number three overall. So Mike Dunleavy Jr. walked into the Warriors in the midst of that tumultuous, long, multi-decade stretch of, of playoff drought. And a lot of fans at the time really attributed their frustrations to him, right? Here you've got this number three pick. You're looking for the next savior of the franchise. And this guy comes in and he's underwhelming. Um, nonetheless, despite, you know, that kind of tumultuous start with the Warriors, Dunleavy ended up playing 15 years in the NBA um, and uh, five seasons as working in the front office under Bob Myers. And so Mike Dunleavy Jr. originally joined the Warriors front office in 2018-19 as a pro scout. Um, and, and really kind of shadowed Myers and has, and as of late has been very participatory in all things going on with the Warriors. So he seems like a great fit to step in. Um, he's got a lot of energy, you know, Joe Lacob had some nice words about, about Mike Dunleavy Jr. Quote, we think Mike is the perfect fit to lead our basketball operations department. He has a wealth of basketball knowledge stemming from his family upbringing, a 15-year NBA playing career and five seasons serving under Bob Myers in our front office. He's young and energetic, has established numerous relationships around the league, and communicates well with players and coaches, all important traits in this business. Mike's ready for this challenge and responsibility. So, obviously, I think that, you know, there is no question that Mike Dunleavy has familiarity with the organization. He's, you know, has that kind of unique experience as player scout, you know, now into the GM role. But obviously, there's still tons of looming questions for the Warriors, right? What are they going to do with Thompson and Green? What are they going to do with Poole and Kaminga? Um, what's going on with the, you know, the two timeline development plan? What money are we willing or not willing to spend? What's going to happen with Steve Kerr? So many questions, such a, in such a pinnacle of a situation, so many different paths the Warriors could choose to go down, um, and to make things, you know, whether to make things worse or, or possibly kind of clear the air directionally, um, Warriors lose one of their assistant coaches, uh, Jama Mahalela, who opts to join the Raptors. And he was one of the lead developing coaches for the Warriors and was really credited with the development of Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga. So that to me is a big domino to fall. You've got Myers walking away. You lose, you lose one of your main development coaches. Um, and it kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse or a little bit of a sense that maybe the Warriors are ready to stop messing around with, you know, developing for the future while also trying to win and, and potentially kind of pick one or the other and, and just go with it. And losing one of your development coaches could either mean one, uh, difference in opinion, um, 
or opportunity um, or, you know, potentially just the Warriors are pivoting from that and the Raptors are pivoting towards that, which it certainly seems so. The Raptors have been involved in a, num- in a number of trade rumors and could be one of those teams that decide to blow it up to go for a full rebuild. Um, and so there's a lot of questions here and there's been a lot of rumors as well. We had reports of the Warriors looking to trade Jonathan Kaminga, um, reports of the Warriors looking to package Jonathan Kaminga and then in their first round pick, which is the 19th pick to move up in the draft. And then we also heard rumors after that of the Warriors looking to trade their 19th pick to move out or further down the draft. But, you know, I will kind of pause for a moment and say that it is very common for teams with this middle of the road first round pick to pursue these common types of scenarios, right? You're either potentially looking at getting a difference changer type player in the earlier rounds or just get out of there and potentially trade that mid mid first round pick for something later, right? And, and, and some additional future assets. So it's not like this is crazy talk what the Warriors are doing, but it does kind of create some interesting scenarios and thoughts and use cases as to what they might do. Um, you know, however, these are all just rumors and the Warriors have been known to, ex- to explore their options. Um, and we did just see reports today and yesterday that says, you know, the Warriors actually aren't looking to trade Jonathan Kaminga, which doesn't surprise me. So um, kind of kind of feels like this was more or less the Warriors looking to test the market for what other GMs are willing to or, or how they value Jonathan Kaminga and Jordan Poole. How do they value Warriors assets um, for future planning, right? And future trade possibilities and discussions. Obviously, Kaminga was disgruntled at the end of the of the playoffs with the reduced role, talked about wanting to showcase his abilities over the summer. Um, and, you know, Jonathan Kaminga will now be entering his third year. And this is, you know, in my mind, a perfect opportunity for him to, to step up, to step forward and really step into the role that that. Steve Kerr and the coaching staff have been begging him to do so, which is, you know, first and foremost, rebound the basketball, play defense, and then get into the open floor and transition for easy buckets. And so I think, you know, I think it's undisputed at this point that Jonathan Kaminga still has this incredible upside in ceiling that's undeniable. Um, it just remains to be seen. However, can Kaminga do enough things for Steve Kerr to keep him on the floor for him to continue to get enough minutes to develop into that role. Um, and the, are the Warriors comfortable paying him, you know, a, a, a reasonable salary. But when you look at the Warriors luxury tax, um, he does kind of pop out as a player that's making a significant amount of money that, you know, is eating up the tax bill when you've got so much money poured into Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins and Poole. And so how does that all play out if you're not giving Kaminga, you know, 20 to 25 minutes a night and you're paying him this money and he wants a more prominent role and he's not delivering and Kerr's not able to play him 
you know, you've got to think that the Warriors have got to be exploring options to turn that into something, whether that's um, future draft picks, whether that's um, more of a veteran player that that can that can provide the role that that the coaching staff is looking for. It remains to be seen. Um, another important thing to talk about via Mark Spears Draymond is expected to opt out of his contract, but the Warriors are doing everything in their power to bring him back. This isn't really a surprise to me. I think this was kind of expected. Draymond Green is looking for some security. He does not want to be, you know, he doesn't want that question mark of only one year left on his deal. And he's looking for that job security. He wants that multi-year deal. Um, it could be the makings of Draymond's willingness to take an Andrew Wiggins type pay cut to sign that multi-year deal to be able to finish his career as a warrior. But if Draymond's expecting to get, you know, north of 30 million a year, I don't know if the Warriors can swing that. And I don't know if they should. I think that they should do everything they can do to bring him back. I think it's just going to be a question of, what's the magic number and how many years and what are the stipulations on the deal to make both sides happy? And is Draymond going to show some willingness to concede some of his desires in order to take kind of a team first approach and mentality? Or does Draymond feel like he's already done everything? He's already proved that with his history with the Warriors and now he wants another payday. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, and then not that I expect anything to happen really this season, but Clay Thompson would be the next man up that kind of also falls into that category um, of having that kind of last huge payday contract come to an end. Is he going to look for a max deal or, or is he going to be willing to take a little bit less money to stick it out? So a lot of questions here. Um, again, you know, the draft is, is coming up quickly approaching, um, five days away. So there's going to be a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of teams in the league right now looking to blow it up, looking to go all in to contend. It is a very polarized league at the moment. There's not a lot of teams that want to be in the middle. You've got teams you know, on one end of the spectrum or another. And there's a lot of players that are going to be moving, Pete, that are going to be moving around. You're going to have a lot of stars and role players alike jumping around to different teams as franchises try and figure out, you know, what, what they want to do and, and who they're going to be able to work with to get some deals done. And I think the Warriors are going to be a part of that but only if the right type of deal surfaces and I don't think teams are going to be looking to do the Warriors any favors so it's going to be interesting to see you know how much is Lakeup willing to spend are they able to bring back Draymond what is Kaminga's role what is going to be Jordan Poole's role um what about Dante DiVincenzo um I think the Warriors would benefit from trying to keep as much of their guys as they can i would be i would be very surprised um to see draymond go i think if draymond goes it's the beginning of the end if i'm being quite honest because 
you can already see that there are, there are many teams that are contending that are looking for that final piece. And that final piece would probably be Draymond Green for a lot of teams. The Phoenix Suns, um, for example, the Miami Heat. I mean, you talk about what wins championships in the NBA, and it really comes down to rebounding and defense. And that's what Draymond Green brings. And so if you want to contend, you need a guy like Draymond. And there's not that many guys like Draymond Green, this high IQ veteran players who understand what it takes um, that can you know, come up in the moment. And sure, Draymond Green has his flaws. Um, his offense has been on the decline. He had some, you know, very difficult series against, you know, the Kings and the Lakers. And, and you know, you can't play Draymond and Looney at the same time without sacrificing so much on offense, blah, blah, blah. There's so many narratives and stories around that. Um, but you can't let a guy like Draymond Green go, Draymond Green go if you're trying to win championships, he is those types of hard nose, you know, do it all type of, of players that you need. Um, and then, you know, Clay Thompson obviously disappointed in the series against the Lakers. And this is going to be Clay Thompson, hopefully getting a full off season to prepare and be ready for the start of the season. And that was obviously a really big issue last year is Clay Thompson's unwillingness or uncomfortable, you know, putting in the work to be ready at the start of training camp to be 100%. And he clearly wasn't. He talked about it, the PTSD from, from the past injuries, which, um, you know, you can't blame the guy after what he went through to get back on the floor. But at the same time, you can attribute the Warriors' lack of cohesiveness, their lack of ability to start the season at a high level to, to execute and win games. There were so many games that were lost at the start of the season, so many winnable games on the road that were thrown away. And it's very clear that, you know, the Warriors need to not be a 500 team and just limp into the playoffs. They need to build good habits, establish themselves on both ends of the floor to give themselves a cushion to be able to give opportunities to guys like Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rawlings and and Kaminga and Poole and not be in a position where every game is is coming down to the wire because of our turnovers, because of our fouling, because of our lack of commitment to defense, that Steve Kerr and the coaching staff feel like they're in a position where they can't afford to give guys an opportunity to learn on the job because you need to make sure that you're you've got your closers in at all times because you can't win games. So there's a lot there to unpack, but I think that for the Warriors, they don't need to do that much. They need to, it's more about guys accepting their roles, buying into their roles and showing up ready to go and having clear direction and alignment from ownership, front office, coaching staff, back to the players. And I think that we can agree that that's been off the last few years. Um, obviously, you know, the Warriors won two years ago. And um, and so they're certainly proven to be able to perform at a high level and, and achieve postseason success, even in a, you know, highly contested 
Western Conference. I mean, the Denver Nuggets are going to be, you know, the team to uh, square up against. And so, you know, I think the Warriors at their best are more than capable of doing so. It's just going to be a matter of putting guys in the right position to succeed and getting the most out of, you know, Moody, Poole, Kaminga, all of those guys. Uh, Even Gary Payton, GP2, didn't look like the same guy that we won a championship with this past season after the trade and after the injury rehab. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. You had Andrew Wiggins miss all of those games, right? So there's just a lot of narratives and um, storylines to follow. But, you know, I personally would not be too impressed or necessarily excited with some of these trades that I've seen on Twitter and social media packaging like a Clay Thompson and, and Jordan Poole and getting like a Zach Levine or a Bradley Beal. I just, for me, it, it doesn't move the needle. You're getting some things and you're losing other things. It's not like a home run. And this isn't the type of team where, Hey, it's just time to part ways with clay because at the end of the day, everything revolves around Stephen Curry and Curry wants clay Thompson and Draymond green by his side. If you, if you muck that up and you start, you know, getting Curry unhappy, well then everything is going to unravel pretty quick. And then we might as well just head towards a rebuild anyways. And so that's where, all of this, all of these, you know, trade scenarios really fall apart for me is, you know, you got to keep Steph happy and Steph wants Clay and Draymond around, especially since Myers walked away. You know, he wants that continuity. He wants these guys that he's been playing with for so long to to finish this thing out and, and give themselves another chance to get it done. And, and last season, we saw what a team could do you know, without having everybody on the same page, right? You had the Draymond Green and Jordan Poole um, punch that obviously affected the team for most of the season. And then you had the nonsense with with James Wiseman and and him in and out of the rotation. Um, Moody and Kaminga, you know, barely getting minutes and opportunities until until, uh, Andrew Wiggins was out. So... There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of different directions for the Warriors to go in. But I think that in reality, it's a question of first, what are Clay Thompson and Draymond Green willing to do to to make this thing work? If they're committed to playing with Curry, are they willing to take less money? And if they are, I think that there's a chance to, you know, basically run this team back and and plug in a few a few gaps with some key veteran pieces rather than you know relying on Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb who were more than serviceable throughout the season but getting some you know some some minimum free agent acquisitions that can fill significant gaps and come in off the bench and provide stability rather than the opposite where we saw you know the starting unit have one of the best net ratings in the league for the Warriors last season. And then the bench came in and just completely demolished whatever lead had been built. Um, so, 
you know, I'd love to see like Otto Porter Jr. come back, for example, but he's still rehabbing from a foot injury. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the Warriors have like five really young players that either need opportunities to develop or need to be moved on, shipped on for um, for something else. Um, so what's going to happen? And in that sense, Mike Dunleavy Jr. walking into the picture with all of that continuity and familiarity within the organization, but also like he's hungry. He's ready to prove himself. He's ready to put in the work. He's ready to bring that attention to detail that you could tell Myers kind of wasn't, right? Myers was a little distracted. He was a little disengaged. It was surprising that the Warriors were kind of tricked into the the GP2 trade, right? If, if they had done their due diligence and homework, that Wiseman for GP2 trade, that shouldn't have been a surprise that GP2 was hurt. That shouldn't have come after the fact, right? And so Mike Dunleavy Jr. is potentially what the Warriors needed, right? A little bit of, you know, not just getting a fresh new face from, from off the street, but bringing in somebody who has the continuity with the organization, who's respected, that has, you know, the the resume of, of being able to talk to players, having that experience himself, um, being able to navigate some dynamics, but more having the desire to do everything that it takes to be a GM in the league today, which is clearly a significant significant amount of work and maybe that's just what the warriors need and maybe lakeb is finally over his fascination with the two timeline plan um but you know the warriors have got a squad they've got a lot of pieces they've got a lot of coveted pieces there's a lot of things that they could do um and you know we'll we'll quickly find out what their plans are starting with that number 19 pick. I would be surprised if they pick another player that's not going to have opportunity to play. So I think that ideally they'd like to trade that pick for something else in the future. Um, but we'll see, right? They're not going to just give things away for nothing. Um, and so it takes two to execute a trade and, and someone's going to want to want that pick. And it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, starting on draft night and subsequently throughout the uh, throughout the offseason. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams scrambling to try and, you know, beat, you know, assemble the team to beat the Nuggets. Um, you know, you've got Phoenix Suns, Miami Heat, the Celtics, um, just to name a few. And, and there's plenty of other teams in the picture. Right. So. It will be very interesting to see what happens, where the Warriors are, and um, obviously I think the most important piece is Draymond Green, first and foremost. So that's all we got for you today. Just a little bit of a quick recap and thoughts on some of the offseason comings and goings. Again, the draft is on Thursday of next week, Thursday, June 22nd. So again, I think that's going to kind of be the first domino 
um, along with in tandem the Draymond Green signing or 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 not re-signing, and then um, everything else will will fall into place. So once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast. If you haven't already, please give me a follow over at Twitter. That's at SD Orlick. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Let's go Dub Nation, and we'll catch you on the next one.